great dude, great Airbnb guest. His ex-girlfriend hunted him down on Snapchat maps or something. Like he, she found him somehow. She started beating him up in like in front of the camera outside of the, of the house. What? And Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent, an investor, and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai, host of the Golden Nuggets podcast. Today, I have my special guest, James Fernandez, who's a real estate investor from London, Ontario. And what I love about James' story is that he has multiple strategies of investment. So he has some buy and holds, rentals, and of course, short-term rentals, such as Airbnb. So um, without further ado, I'm going to give the floor to James and he's going to tell us a little bit about his background and uh, what his portfolio currently looks like. So go ahead. please. Sounds good. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Ross. Uh, appreciate it. And very nice to meet you as well. Um, yeah, my name is James. I have been real estate investing uh, seriously, I guess, uh, for about uh, 11 months, maybe about a year. Um, my first rental property was uh, February 2020, and wow. prior to that, it was uh, just doing a little bit of research and doing a secondary dwelling conversion in a property that I was just living in. Um, my background, uh, formerly trained as a mechanical engineer, and I worked still full-time as an engineer. And um, yeah, I started real estate investing because I wanted to buy Tesla and I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so I needed <laughs> to find a find passive income or other income in general to try and pay for the car. And um, that's uh, yeah, Tesla got me real estate investing. So <laughs> that's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, outside of uh, real estate investing, um, I love I love eating mainly and uh, cooking occasionally whenever I have time. And yeah, I love uh, traveling. So I'm looking forward to creating um, a passive income stream that will allow me to do so once our borders open up again. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we're all looking for financial freedom. And I guess you mentioned a couple of things, which I love about it. It's just that you need to have a goal. And for your first goal was getting a Tesla. And that motivated you to get into real estate investment. And of course, you you got there. You have your Tesla and you have multiple you know buildings under you. So which is awesome, man. It was it was like a single family, you said, and you converted to into I guess legal duplexes, I can say. Uh, it's it's called a secondary dwelling conversion here in uh, right. London, Ontario, where I'm at. Um, it's essentially a duplex with some some small little differences here and there, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, it's two units, like two kitchens, two bathrooms, uh, like two separate, whatever. So, um, yeah, I went to OREC uh, 2019, and that was hosted uh, by Jeff Weibo and Matt McKeever. And that was when I was just like kind of still learning like i at, so at that point i still didn't know what bigger pockets was by the way right um, right <laughs> like i didn't know anything about anything i just uh I just like 
got kind of dragged to this conference by a friend of mine and I didn't even want to go or pay the like 200 bucks. You know, right, I didn't, right. I was like, that's a waste of money. Like what the hell? <laughs> and and now looking back, it's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that was such a good, good spend. Um, because I left that place thinking of all these different ways to make money without trading time. And, um, that was really, really impactful. So like Sunday night after the conference ended, it was Saturday, Sunday, um, I went home, uh, looked around my house. I was like, how the, f like, I'm, I'm using 10% of my house. I go from the bedroom to the kitchen mm -hmm. and I eat out of the kitchen island. Like I don't even eat at a dining table. I eat at the kitchen island. <laughs> I don't, I don't really watch TV. And uh, so my TV, my couch, my, um, like the whole living room, the other bedroom, the entire basement, it's not being used. What the hell? Right. So, um, I took all my stuff and like garbage bag and boxes and whatever. I just moved all my personal belongings downstairs to the basement. And then I, I listed my property on Airbnb uh, immediately. And so that was like Tuesday night. And then Thursday, uh, I already had a booking, which was like extremely wow. scary because I didn't have any of the sheets or the towels or the soaps and <laughs> like little decorations. I didn't have any of that shit. And they uh -huh. were coming on Friday. So uh, like all basically late Thursday night, all Friday, um, I just like did all the typical Airbnb stuff. And I straight up told the guests, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So if anything's wrong, like, please let me know, but like rate me five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, that's how I started, uh, I guess. Um, refied the property and uh, that allowed me to pull out 125 grand after uh, refi, like a cash out refi type of thing. Beautiful. Um, and I used that income to buy other properties, which I just repeat, you know, the R in Burr. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so just just so for people to understand, you know, where their money came from, can you give us a like breakdown? So again, what was the purchase okay. price? What was the yeah. renos? And then, you know, what was the after repair value? And of course, the refi. Sounds good. Yeah, so um, this property that I'm actually I'm sitting in right now, I'm sitting in that basement apartment. Mm -hmm. um, so it was my first time. I, did, I was living in my mom's basement. I just wanted a place. Uh, I put 5% down on $245,000. So that's 12 and a half thousand roughly. Right, right. 13 grand, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then plus other random clothes. So like 15 grand, let's just say 15. That's what I, that's what I had saved up. And that's what I basically had to put into the house. Um, it was a little bit of time before I realized like what this refi type of thing is and all these renovations and everything like that. So, um, by that time, I, I had lines of credit. I didn't, they were empty. I just had them because I was like, eh, maybe I'll need them. Um, right. But I ended up using lines of credit, unsecured lines of credit to pay for the renovations that I did. Income upstairs on the Airbnb is about 2000 net a month um, after expenses. And uh, yeah, the refi came in at 425. So wow. <laughs> 245 purchase price. Um, about 40,000, let's just say in rentals, that's yeah. a little high, but I did all the work myself, um, 40,000 roughly in rentals. Wow. And, um, what else holding costs? I was living here. I didn't really take that into account. Let's just, whatever. let's just say 20 grand in holding. That's like kind of outrageous. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, even with that, <laughs> you know, it's six, exactly. <laughs> like I'm just kind of being outrageous there, but, um, it's let's just say so two three oh five all in and then four twenty five ARV. Mm -hmm. Um it's a pretty healthy refi. So yeah. you get eighty percent of that four twenty five, right? So right. All that within how long and how many months? Um it took me a while because I did all the work myself. So that's actually yeah. one recommendation. Um 
that I would give is get your hands dirty and learn how to do it a little bit. Like, so you understand and appreciate and value the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, don't ever do it again. Cause it's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> it took yeah. me about six months, seven months, maybe. Yeah. Mind like you, every you day. Were, you were, you were working full time at, yeah. uh, at the same time. So it was like, yeah, you're putting a lot of hours. I would imagine my life was miserable, man. Like I, <laughs> um, I literally like work all day and sometimes overtime too. Like we're, we're busy. Right. Um, and then come home, change into like my rental clothes and then work and go to sleep late, wake up early, do it again. And like, I left my, like the one bedroom in the back corner. Mm-hmm. That was like the sanctuary where there's no dust, no like yeah. dirt or no anything, but yeah. everything else like torn apart. Like I did the drywall, all the walls, like it's mud, muddy and messy and like dusty and shitty. Yeah. Um, but then I switched it. Right. So I had to do the bedroom. So I lived out here in the living room for a little bit Yeah. Um, with like my, my, freaking work boots as my slippers getting out of bed in the morning and it's just like nails everywhere and whatever else so yeah do what you have to do yeah no that, that's that's a phenomenal story yeah because I've, I've been through that myself like uh we went through renovations and, and this was like you know my parents home uh we we kind of bought, bought like a fixer upper and oh man i do not recommend living in it <laughs> no. and doing renovations. living in construction's oh, the worst man. It's so, it's like literally soul crushing. Yes. yes. There's nothing I, clean ever. It took, basically I wasted an entire summer. <laughs> that way. I, could, I couldn't leave the house because I was helping with renos, right? And I, I get, uh, believe me, if, if you were to rip my body open, it was full of dust. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing in there dust. <laughs> I remember like, oh my God, I wake up in the morning and I like go like, blow my nose and it's just like stuff coming out i'm like fucking breathing this at all day every yeah. day like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i mean it's, it's not the healthiest option yeah so if you have an option to go get it done professionally please do so <laughs> especially because like now uh, if a if a unit is renovated in like a couple of weeks right it's pretty fantastic so yeah six months versus uh yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is, yes, definitely on one hand, it's great to get your hands dirty and learn the process and <clears throat> value the trades. On the on the other hand, if it's going to take you, say, six months and you can pay somebody, say, I don't know, $10,000 and they can do it in a month, guess what? The opportunity cost is better because you can turn around and put it in the market, right? And you make your money. That's exactly Much right. quicker. Yeah. That's without exactly having to right. inhale all that dust. <laughs> That's exactly it. So yeah, I, I always would recommend for people just start now, like get your hands a little bit dirty and like understand and appreciate it. Right. And now I know like it takes roughly like two hours to build a, a bulkhead around really odd things. Mm-hmm. And then I know like when talking to contractors, if, if they come in and they give you a quote and um, you're working with five eighths thick drywall, which is like heavy, thick fire rated drywall right and their quote is the same for that as it is for half inch drywall they probably don't know what they're doing it's hard to work with it's heavy it's big it's it dulls of materials faster or like tools faster everything like that so if their quote isn't slightly higher like it shouldn't be crazy higher but if it, if it isn't slightly higher or if they don't like mention hey this is harder to work with it might take us a little bit longer right they probably don't they haven't they don't they haven't felt that pain <laughs> you know <laughs> so so they probably don't know yeah that's 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 amazing yeah no that's definitely a good tip and then so going back on what you're saying so what what was the next step for you so you got this house you you mm-hmm. house hacked it basically which is mm-hmm. for folks that don't understand what that means it's just like james described that he basically rented one of the units and lived in the other one so he was basically living for free reduced his cost of living and he was making money upstairs which carried the cost of you know all the insurance the mortgage and so forth so which is a phenomenal way because 
eight, I think the figure was what, 50 to 40% of uh, average household income goes to just shelter, which is yeah. phenomenal, right? So if you can, if you can reduce that to min- minimize it or even get to zero, yeah. you're laughing, right? That's, that's a huge amount of money you're saving per month. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um, after that, um, where I was now like basically living for free and um, I had all this money that spent, um, London was just sort of hitting its stride. Um, mm-hmm. I bought two more properties uh, immediately, pretty much. So, like that was January refi, and then February and March I got another one each month. So February uh, was a duplex that I found um, through a wholesaler uh, on uh, Matt McKeever's team, Mike Nowicki. Right. Um, so I bought that duplex for two hundred and fifteen, two twenty, something like that. Right, remember. right. Um, and I spent a fuckload of money renovating <laughs> that thing. I didn't know. Again, like that was my first time working with contractors. Now. Yeah. So I yeah. spent I spent a lot of money there, um, but probably about a hundred grand renovating oh, wow. those two units. Yeah. Wow. And um, I, like looking back, it was a lot of money because now I can do I can do units for like twenty. So it would have been forty fifty thousand max. Um, and I spent what, what was it so high? Was it just because you had like the, uh, like you know, a very expensive contractor, or was it just a lot of surprises, or what was the reason? Uh, there's a combination of both. Um, so the the job took a little bit longer because kind of everything was wrong in the property, which I didn't know. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know that we'd have to replace 100% of the electrical, 100% of the plumbing. Wow. Um, all like it got broken into as well, which was great. Oh, okay. um, I also like I split panels, um, which right. was an added cost. Um, what else did I do? Um, I also over renovated and Initially, my plan was because Airbnb was going so great for me, mm-hmm. was to put these units on Airbnb. Right. They're like quartz countertops, super nice flooring, um, like nice fixtures, everything like that. So I spent money in there because I wanted it to be like premium Airbnb because gotcha. it's like very, very close to one of the main like tourist attractions in London. It's called mm-hmm. uh, the Factory. Oh yeah, and yeah. and then COVID hit, and guess what closed the factory <laughs> so there's no fucking people coming and coming to do any of that stuff so yeah um pretty much immediately i pivoted to long-term rentals right and uh i got some really really great tenants in there fantastic tenants and they're paying premium rents um at the at the point back then um sixteen hundred and fifty dollars for a two-bedroom apartment in london mm-hmm. it just wasn't happening yeah, and yeah. I, I was getting that rent, and now that's pretty commonplace. There's that's what they're paying now, um, and then one bedroom basement apartment, twelve fifty, was just absurd. Like <laughs> back then, rents for one bedroom basement apartment was like seven hundred bucks, wow. eight hundred bucks. Yeah, but they were very happy with the brand new everything, quartz everything, um, like just premium fits and finishes, right? So. Yeah, yeah. You basically attracted the right uh, set of, you know, uh, tenants, basically, right? There's a, there was a niche right. for those uh, executive <laughs> luxury suites, let's put it. So, right. uh, and then you were able to uh, get those guys in there, which is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to renovations, you really just have to just analyze the market where, where, you're, where you're situated, right? So, you can't expect to um, have that kind of... Uh, furnished places and then you live in like a really bad area because i don't think anybody's going to be willing to pay that much money exactly so yeah the fact that you looked at you know where you're situated and then you saw that oh there's a niche and there's a market for it yeah it off well right 
it paid off in the end, but mostly by luck. Like, I don't think I knew, again, I still every day know I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But again, like, <laughs> so it wasn't calculated the rest then. <laughs> no, I just, I was just like, no, I like, I like Airbnb. I'm going to do Airbnb. Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, I can't do Airbnb. I have to do something else now. But one thing I did know is that I needed to run my numbers off of the long term rental, not right. off of Airbnb income. Mm-hmm. So when shit hit the fan, which it did, um, I was still cash flowing on the property. Like so that that property brings in about six hundred bucks a month. That's a very interesting analysis. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So so basically the way you looked at your numbers was like you pretended it was just a, a steady monthly rent if somebody was just leasing it versus yeah. your yeah, because you're right. Airbnb fluctuates month to month. It's, season, it's very seasonal. Exactly. So like I never as I, well, right? So you can have yeah, you can't run your numbers off of that it, um, safely. Oh, yeah. It's so I ran, <laughs> I ran all my numbers fairly conservative. It's like, it was my second deal ever. Right. So I was trying to be as safe as possible. Yeah. Um, kind of maybe too safe. And, uh, it ends up being phenomenal. So I'm very happy with that. Um, the third deal in March was a shithole triplex. Um, again, triplex for 270 grand. Right. So now that's absurd in London. Like land is $270,000 pretty much right? like 200 plus just a bare piece of garbage and um yeah so i was very happy with that Uh, shit 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 tenants but they always pay Mm, so i know know those kind (laughs) super super high cash flow um on that place um yeah i inherited those tenants and i had like kind of nothing uh nothing i could do to get rid of them but they were paying so well that i um i didn't really want to get rid of them either so in that triplex, I just, I, I didn't do anything at all. I spent probably $400 the entire time that I own it, other than like maintenance, uh, outside maintenance. So was it turnkey or was it just, you didn't want to do anything because it's already tenanted? It's not worth it, man. It, it's just like right. everything, everything I put in there, it gets ruined. So uh, okay, okay. for everything that was there even gets ruined. So like the one guy in the front unit, um, he was just super high one day and decided that his uh, stove has cockroaches. Oh. So he took he took the stove outside and took it apart. <laughs> <You're kidding. laughs> Look, so like I got a picture from his caseworker, and they're like, uh, "So sorry, James, about your stove. We'll replace it. Um, you don't have to do anything." I was like, "I wasn't going to. Like, this is not on me. This is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> what the hell?" Yeah. And um, so that, that's just one thing that happened. Another, uh, what else? This other guy, he he like was disassembling or he was stealing bicycles from all over town and disassembling them in the backyard. And then one day people followed him and, and just beat him up. Right. Because they, he stole his, their bike. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so he was like in jail or gone for like a couple of weeks. I don't know where he went. And, um, I got a notice from the city that like, I have all these bike parts in the backyard that need to go away. Oh man. And it's like, this is just random. You know, random <laughs> stuff. But whatever so, yeah so yeah which part of london is that because i know that there's there's some really you know uh shitty areas in other yeah. words <laughs> every every area kind of has their perks but this this For specific sure. property is down uh by like um wellington and york area okay okay yeah so it's closer to downtown not from whatever super downtown but yeah yeah not super downtown but just outside of that i think just I don't know that's like yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um and then, uh, yeah, so I used the refi money on that second property mm-hmm. because it, um, that was another, like, you know, the first one refied at like 425. 
the right. second one refied at 400 and um i bought it for 220 and i spent 100 um ish right. like all in like that's including carrying everything mm-hmm. and uh yeah so that that uh 320 roughly is the um refi at 400 right so right, they basically covered it yeah yeah and took took that like extra 20 or whatever out right <clears throat> if, Beautiful. if there was anything left i can't remember exactly um yeah but it was, it was I, I didn't take very much out of there like i think i just basically broke even on, yeah, on even, even zero dollar bear that's that's basically like infinity returns for you because you put zero dollars mm-hmm. in basically you got a free property out of it which is mm-hmm. which is that's why i love the power of burr the burr is just phenomenal had no idea um that like your your wealth could grow so rapidly like this like i come from like a poor immigrant family man like this is not yeah. something i ever thought that was going to be real right so um like the first the first time i ever heard that this was first of all uh, like you said legal <laughs> and then second tax free right and then third like extremely easy to do you can like, do it over and over and over again what like unbelievable how do we not learn this in school that's the number one question i ask every day i'm like this yeah. this is it almost feels like it's it's purposely not taught yeah right yeah, like because we don't learn to be in the workforce yeah, man. Like we don't learn tax strategy. We don't learn nope. real estate investing or investing in general. We don't learn any of this shit. And now like, yeah, yeah. You don't learn none of that. Hell no. Like, uh, you just learn like the closest I ever came to learning about real estate was fucking playing Monopoly. <laughs> like, that's it. Like Honestly, I felt great getting the, the that's rent. That's the best game, man. For kids, like I'm just like <laughs> when I have kids, that's all we're gonna play. <laughs> like that is Cash Quadrant. I haven't bought it, but I think that's another good one. I hear. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Like I can't believe. So yeah, it's just life changing, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in my wildest dreams. So like 2014, I just told my girlfriend at the time, like I want to drive a Tesla, and right. she booked uh, like a test drive for us to go. Nice. And I drove that car and I was like, holy fuck, how do I get this thing? Where it's just like, this thing is literally a fucking spaceship. Yeah. And like you press on the pedal and your head slams back and like yeah. life is just like a blur around you. It's the best thing ever. And I was like, I need this. How do I get this? Oh, I can't afford a $150,000 car. Mm-hmm. All right. What are the, break it down a little bit. What are the payments per month? Like 1400 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Fuck. I don't want to pay that either. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, I know they're coming out with a cheaper one soon. I'll just wait for that cheaper one. And then the model three came out. Um, that's what I got. And uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out how to make real estate investing pay for that. So I don't know, set, setting that one goal or target or whatever, and then just like finding your brain just thinks of different ways to make it happen. Right. And Absolutely. If, if you're actually like serious about it, of course. Yeah. You switch, you switch your mindset from, you know, I can't afford it to how can I afford it? Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. What I love about your story here is that you literally were an action taker. You, you weren't, you know, all caught up in an analysis paralysis or sitting there reading I didn't... books and for days and <laughs> spending 40,000 conferences. Here in the maybe too much though. <laughs> maybe too much on the other side though. Cause I didn't know fucking anything. I just went to that one conference yeah. and I was like, I'm a real estate investor now. Let's do this Airbnb. <laughs> yeah but, um so like for for maybe other people listening um that haven't taken any action but i've read all the books fuck your books <laughs> put the goddamn books away you know you know more than any of us do do something absolutely fucking go do something like 
that's, that's well, about it. Action again, as we said, actions speak louder than words any day, right? It's good. Yeah. No, definitely. It's good to have a bit of background of certain things. Like you said, if you didn't go to ORAC, you probably wouldn't even start in the first place. So have some sort of yeah. background of education. And then yeah. from there, please don't just waste your years sitting there on the sidelines. Well, so it's a, just a means of procrastination. Like, oh, I haven't listened yeah. to that podcast on birds, so I can't do a bird. Dude, right. you can listen to it while you're doing the bird. It takes yeah. an hour and this bird will take you three months, maybe maybe a little longer. It yeah. depends how, how long you're going. Uh, the fastest one I've ever done is three months. So right. maybe you're faster than that. Maybe uh, the banks won't let you refinance anymore. I don't know. But yeah. you can you can do it while you're doing it. Like you don't have to wait. <laughs> yeah, another thing I was going to say is for folks that are starting out, again, if they they don't feel comfortable getting to that or they don't have the time, uh, you know, joint ventureship is the way to go, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Join, join somebody who's done it, who has who knows what they're doing, right? And then you yeah. learn. That's the best way to go. Instead of you spending that forty, fifty thousand dollars trying to go in these conferences, yeah. why don't you work somewhere with somebody and you have a piece of that pie? Yeah. It's, so it's, like it's the fifty, that fifty grand is is part of a deal now, right? Exactly. So like um, some of my like I like I still work full time, so mm -hmm. um, I was very time poor, and also like the London market at that point where I started so joint venturing, um, uh, it was like I had to go out of town, and I was like, all right, well, how do I like I only have. 50 grand like how do i buy a property with only 50 grand 20 percent down you, right, you have right. to buy you have to buy cheap and where do you buy cheap if if your market's expensive you buy somewhere else mm -hmm. but i was too scared to do it by myself so i joined venture so right. i was like all right i'm, I'm bringing all the money um my renovation costs are going to be covered by this line of credit and i have 50 grand down so we bought a fourplex together it's jeremy ivany taylor sears and i right so that was my first joint venture ever um we bought a fourplex renovated it um bird it so then it uh came back i think so two 20s purchase price we spent about 40 grand and refi is about 315. beautiful there so. you go <laughs> and then how did that come up like i mean how did you decide that you know jeremy is the partner you want to go how did you guys meet or how did you connect get connected yeah, man it's honestly the most random thing it's just like we we didn't talk about partnership we didn't talk about fucking anything at all other than let's go get some nachos and beer Right. And like we went out for nachos and we were just talking about like what we were up to and our different values. And um, then, then he just messaged me right now. He's like, hey, there's this fourplex um, that I found off market. Um, do you want to join venture? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but it doesn't mean like we're working together. He's like, yeah, it means we're working together. And he's like, honestly, I don't know what it means either. Cause like we had never done it. So yeah. then we're like, we're, we're like, all right, we're going to do this. So we put an offer in whatever else. And, and then we're like, all right, let's figure out this joint venture thing. Mm -hmm. And so then it like how we structured it was I'm a hundred percent of the money partner. Right. He's a hundred percent of the active partner. Gotcha. So, um, it was very easy roles to define there. And do you guys have like a set uh, term, like five years, three years, or like how did you guys set it up? Your yeah, we we set we set a five year type of thing uh, to to figure out what we want to do after that. Mm -hmm. um, but we also set like uh, other exit strategies and clauses, like uh, the right of first refusal or shotgun clause, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, where if there's a bona fide offer on the table for the property, that other joint venture partner who isn't presenting the offer uh, has the first right to buy it. Right. Um, that's one one method. Um, there's buyout plans and strategies and whatever else, but realistically, like that's a that's a property that 
I personally never have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know on their side, as, as the property managers, they barely have to think about either because it's just running really, really well. Yeah. So you, you did mention something quite interesting here. So you did say you, you looked outside of uh, London and then what stood out? Why Chatham? What made you think, Honestly, you know what, I'm going to go there? I didn't, I didn't know anything about Chatham. Jeremy's just like, Hey, I found this deal in Chatham. I was like, I like you. Let's do it. That's it. How did you know Jeremy, by the way? Did you guys, were you guys friends before or? No, we went for nachos, man. That was nachos and beer. Oh, that was it. So you guys, you guys yeah. just connected over Instagram and like, let's just meet up. Uh, yeah, we, we met, I think at Onria, uh, briefly. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes <laughs> that's what it takes. Like, that's why I love the power of networking. Cause like, you never know where things will lead. Right. But it's just like, you're, when you're in the mindset of like, I want something to happen, mm-hmm. it will happen. But I think what I'm trying to get at is, is, is it's also important to make sure you you partner up with the right people with the right mentality, right? So if you yeah. guys didn't not get along, oh, that's going to be very ugly, right? Because mm-hmm. one, one wants to do something a certain way, the other one disagrees. So in your case, you're the money partner. Imagine if Jeremy just overspends and over renovates, right? It's like, yeah. what do you do in that case, right? So you definitely need to make sure that you guys are in, in at least on one page or understand yeah. each other and, and your goals are pretty clear, right? So that is actually super, super critical. Um, so having the same values is the number one thing in my opinion. So right. n- like, for example, Jeremy and I are super aligned in the fact that when things are wrong, we're not just going to cover them up. We're going to fix it and we're going to fix it properly. Exactly. And why do we do that? Because then we just never have to think about it again. Um, with other uh, partnerships that I've had, the value systems are misaligned and, and we kind of struggle because mm-hmm. uh, the one partner wants it to be done differently. Uh, right. It could be maybe as cheap as possible, as fast as possible, maybe both. And sometimes that's not always possible in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to, like with, especially with older homes, things just crumble around you as you touch them. Um, 100%. So it's kind of, it's frustrating, uh, like being a, a money partner when, you're not able to see why things are being late. And it's frustrating as a active partner where you're being held accountable for things you can't control. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I've learned is that uh, you need to have extreme accountability on the things that you can control. And that's still something I'm working on. Like I'm, I am falling behind all the time and, and that's something I still need to adjust and improve on. Right, right. So when you say you're falling behind, is it just on the projects than necessarily or, or is it on mm-hmm. like, so are, are you actively looking for part partnership? Like, are you raising funds or like, what is what's kind of like your, your day to day look like? Let's put it this way. Sure. So um, I still work full time. So that's a, that's, that's a big part of my day. Right. Um, during the day, every now and then uh, it's uh, phone calls or texts or whatever, organizing contractors, mm-hmm. um, organizing resources. Uh, that's, that's a huge part of the day as well. Um, in the evenings, it's checking to see what work was done, what's outstanding and how far behind or, uh, typically behind we are compared to our projected. Um, after that, it is, uh, like I, I usually just drive by a couple of the properties and see, uh, for myself, like, where are we, what are we missing? Um, if there's people working on site at night, which sometimes there are mm-hmm. like doing demo or cleanup or whatever else, then just talking to them and making sure that they have everything that they need in order to succeed. Um, following up with contractors as well in the evening um, to make sure that they're not missing anything for the next day. Um, right. Start at work, that type of thing. So that's a pretty typical day to day. And then after all that's done, come home probably 10, 1030 normally. 
Mm -hmm. Today, it's a little bit earlier. Uh, we had our call and I still was late. Um, <laughs> but uh, after that, it's all the paperwork, replying to texts and emails that I had got throughout the day and um, catching up on uh, receipts and whatever else. So, and that usually yeah, no. goes until fuck as late as it needs to go. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. It, it, it could definitely consume your life, especially when you have a full-time job, right? And I think that's one of the barriers that people think they have in life. You know, regardless, it's like, you just have to put the hours. Like if, if this was, if real estate investing was easy, everybody will be doing it, right? The question comes like, why isn't everybody not doing it? Because people yeah. don't have the time or they don't want to make the time. Yeah. So it, it's like, it's, you got to figure out what you want, right? Like for you and I, I I'm sure we're thinking, okay, five years from now, this is where I want to be, right? You have yeah. a goal in mind, right? What is X amount of dollars or whether it's like for financial freedom or you can spend your money with whoever you want, when you want, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it, it requires sacrifices. It's not, it's not an easy train to just hop on and you're going to get there, right? It, it definitely, definitely requires, but you have to just be focused on the long-term goal. Remind yourself, keep consistent on it. And, it, it, you know, and especially when you, have, when you have a partner, whether it's your, your wife or your girlfriend, it's important to also keep that, yeah, you know, communication very clear because it, yeah. it, it really hinder your relationship and whatnot, right? So, and I and I feel that and I see that a lot. Yeah, and like one one other thing that I think is really really important um, when you are as busy as it can get mm -hmm. is that uh, you need to think about what you truly want. Like the things that you spend time on are the things that grow. So, exactly your 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 family, your relationships, or whatever else has to come first and everything oh, yeah. else needs to fit around it. And I see a lot of other people, um, and including myself for quite a while where I, until I realized like I was really causing my relationships to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they do all the other stuff first. And then when you're like, you fit the other, like the important, what I consider important in it's backwards and, and you're, that's not okay. Like that's not sustainable. Yeah. It's not okay. So like a couple other things, like I'm still working on, I, need to focus on my health and sleep like i'm eating healthy yeah. but i'm not sleeping a lot um yeah. i'm not exercising a lot so i just figure oh, i'll just give all the inputs uh proper like all the good food and then hopefully the rest will just kind of figure itself out but yeah i need to i need to pivot like i know that and i just haven't done that yet i'm, I'm procrastinating i know that i'm procrastinating that like that pivot yeah. um and uh but i i know that i make like good amount of time for my relationships, um, which is very important to me and fit everything else sort of around that. And, that, and that's, and that's key. Cause again, end of the day, what does it come down to? It, it's you investing yourself, yes. right? It's, it's like, uh, and I love that you brought that up because we, ne we usually not talk about it. And I don't know why it, it, it's like such a, a conversation people don't even focus on. It's your health, right? Whether it's your mental health or your physical health. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the same boat as you, James, I went through that, you know, literally, I live in a condo, right? So COVID hit, gym is you closed. You don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything, right? Yeah. So for the past three months or so, uh, I was just sitting at home, like it felt like, you know, low in energy because what I used to do is I used to at least run every morning, right? During summertime. Yeah. And when yeah. I got cold, I got, you know, yeah. again, you, you, you make excuses in your head, right? Yeah. There's nothing, nothing should stop you from, you know, doing your, your running and whatnot. But anyway, so I started thinking, oh, it's cold. I don't want to go. It's too dark. I'm trying to make all the excuses. Eventually, it got to a point where my wife is like, "Listen, like it's like she's like, you're losing a lot of weight. Like I'm, I'm a naturally skinny guy. Like so if I don't work out, man, I, I turn into a toothpick, right? And I don't even like that myself. It's a good problem to have, though. I don't, I, I'm glad it's not the other, other way around. But needless to say, I was, I was not happy because I felt unhealthy, right? I mm -hmm. felt low on energy, 
And for me, it's a domino effect because then it makes changes my mood, right? Yeah. And like my, my productivity is low. And, and, and your performance in general. Absolutely, right? Yeah. So she basically convinced me. She's like, listen, if you're not going to go do something about it, I will. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, so she, she takes me to this place. We go buy one of those dumbbells, you know, that you yeah. can convert. Because I was like, oh, no, I don't want to spend like $500 on those. I have a gym downstairs. It's going to open any day, right? No, yeah. yeah. Seven months, man. <laughs> got a bench. Got a dumbbell. And it's life-changing. Like, I just literally mm-hmm. wake up every day. I do my workouts. And like I said, like, I, I try to meditate, read, read a little bit, eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's a game changer by all means. Yeah. Like, it definitely makes sense. You have to invest in yourself. Like, what's the point of you making a million dollars? And and, 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 and then and, you die. And you die, right? Or it's like, uh, <laughs> I was reading uh, this book. And speaking of books, I know, like, you're not big on it. But it, sometimes it has some good, like, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and he was saying, we're in a society where we're like, okay. I'm tired, but I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. So you're going to spend the money buying a cup of coffee to wake you up. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's going to help, but it's, you're going to have a crash right after. Like, are you yeah. actually fixing the root cause, the problem, or are you just trying to pay for it? Yeah, right? and that's, the- a, that's a good way to think about it, yeah. Great, right. right? Like, you, you don't work out, you don't do, uh, you know, your exercises. Tomorrow, you're, you're, you have cholesterol. What are you going to do? You're going to go pop pills. How about yeah. you do exercise instead, yeah. right? And go to the main, like, root cause, right? So... so- that's exactly the where I'm coming from with the books. I know I'm giving books kind of a hard time. Like, and I don't get me wrong. Like, I love reading, right, right. But it has to have a purpose. It has to have a reason, not just procrastinate your shit. But uh, what my portfolio looks like right now? Let's see. Um, duplex, duplex, triplex, the three fourplexes. That's uh, the three fourplexes are joint ventures. Nice. The the two three duplexes, or sorry, two duplexes and the triplex are solely owned. Okay. Um, I have, uh, another three duplexes and two fourplexes on another joint venture. Okay. And then I have, uh, 13 condos on another joint venture. Oh, wow. That's so a big portfolio. It ends up being uh, whatever that adds up to 40 something units, 20 yeah. something properties, something like that. That's amazing. And then you do this all in one year, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, since like February, February 2020 or whatever. But when I was uh, first starting all of this in general, and I like came from OREC, and mm-hmm. I, I turned that unit to Airbnb. Right. And then I was like, I'm going to buy one property a year for the next 10 years, and then I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to retire, and it's going to be fucking great. Right. And then the next thing you know, I have eight properties in like four months or five months. I was like, how the fuck did I even get here? I don't even know. <laughs> and, and um, but the thing is, like, it just took like every single day, just a little bit like yeah. of action, meet this person or go, go do this thing or like learn this one specific strategy or, or take the time to like build your network in a different way. I don't have a lawyer that does this type of transaction or mm-hmm. I don't have this type of contractor on my team or, you know, every day something. And then it snowballs. Yeah, I know for sure. For sure. So you, you, I think you touched upon it earlier. So are, are you majority of your portfolio, are they all off market or are you finding, uh, you know, stuff on the market as well? What's your mix there? <sighs> I think I bought two properties on market or three, I guess, including my primary residence, which I did again, like I, that was a Kijiji realtor that yeah. I just, the first fucking realtor that I found on Kijiji and then a, a property that I know I overpaid for by like 20 grand, probably 10, 15, 20 grand, somewhere in that range at the time. And obviously it worked out in the end, but like, yeah. I didn't know shit about shit, man. Yeah. Like, so that was my first MLS property. And then um, the, the other two were with the, uh, Jeremy uh, and Taylor. Right. Um, but again, like great deals. They, they were just sit sleeping on MLS, but they just happened to be on MLS. 
<clears throat> wow. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like my point is, it's like, you could definitely find some stuff on market as well as off market, off market, obviously, because you have less competition, but even now what I'm seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing as well is like, even these off market deals have multiple bids. Yeah. James. If you saw my list of like the properties, how many I've analyzed and how many I've basically just let go of how many I've offered to put in I lost, yes. you'd be shocked. And I'm sure you go through the same exact side. Yeah, man. It's not always a, oh yeah, this is it. I'm going to put all my money in it and I'll pay 30,000 more just because yeah. I want this. No, you, you have to separate emotions. Yeah. You stick to your numbers. Stick to your exactly. numbers. Exactly. Exactly. Like the, we have those rules of thumb for a reason, right? To, to see if a property's even worth analyzing deeply. Exactly. Um, but then you have to also put in the work to analyze it deeply. Like, um, like you're probably doing 50, hundred a day when you're really looking right. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, I can't really see myself buying, uh, like a duplex again or something like that, unless the deal was like phenomenal. So, yeah. And then that's what I was going to say. I feel like majority of our, our, our circle of friends and investors are starting to get to those fives and the six and the sevens and whatnot. Right. Because it just makes sense as scalability, right? You rather have mm -hmm. one roof than, you know, six different roofs and, you know, it just makes sense. Uh, the property taxes are lower too, if you mm -hmm. actually compare it per unit and so forth. Yep. So definitely, I mean, that's, but the funny thing is there's this very like few of those. So it's yeah. harder to find. And I think that's, that's the struggle right now. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's definitely tough. And that's the key to building those networks, right? Because if you're yep. front and center one say, hey, Ross is looking for eight plexes, right? Only eight plexes. Right. When an eight plex comes up, Ross is the guy to call. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, you let no people. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. That's what that's thing. Uh, you have to be top of mind for sure. So yeah. So based based on that. So like, are you are you planning on quitting your job? I I really like my job, and um, I'm so far uh, very comfortable doing all of this stuff together. For now, like I'm I'm comfortable staying at the work, uh, like qualifying for mortgages if I ever need to, like a oh. pretty pretty decently paying job and whatever else. But on the commercial mortgages, none of that really matters, right? So. The pivot into commercial is probably going to come at the same time as the um, pivot into not working full time. Right, right. You know, that, that's a very good point. Yeah, for commercial, it's it's more based on the income you bring in with the units versus what your personal Correct. income is on your T four, which is phenomenal. And that's why uh, uh, you know the ones that are in that field are prospering and growing because you yeah. don't have to worry about that anymore, which is it's fantastic. But but in many cases too, like there are real estate investors that aren't doing commercial mortgages and they're also not working full-time. Right. So right. in cases like that, you're, you're dealing with um, credit union um, type of lending, which is fantastic there. So you're building a relationship with the lenders directly mm -hmm. and it's a whole other ball game there. So when lending with a credit union, it's like, Hey, I found this deal. Um, looks really good. Great yeah. income. Uh, they're like, we like you, here's the money. It's like, go, oh, thanks. <laughs> you don't <laughs> want to see the deal. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so okay. obviously like that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it is, yeah. it is simple in comparison to working with BMO or Scotia or RBC right. or whatever. Correct. Yeah. So, and they've tightened up their, their lending criteria quite a bit. Like even getting a line of credit now is like, Oh my God. Impossible. Give it to you. Yeah. No, hell no. It doesn't matter how much you make. doesn't matter your DSR. Just no, we're not giving out lines of credit since your, since your podcast is called uh, golden nuggets. Here's one for your, your listeners here. Um, yeah. With Scotia normally, uh, what you can do is you can get credit cards. Uh, it doesn't have to be paid or anything, just any cheap credit card or free credit card, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then six months after you've had the credit card and you've obviously paid it off and it's in good standing, everything like that, you can roll that into an unsecured line of credit. 
So that's how I built my unsecured line of credit at Scotia mm -hmm. was getting credit cards. So I got a first credit card ever. Scotia is like $5,000 limit. Right. Um, they asked if I wanted to increase the limit to 13 or 15. I said, yes. And then I found out about the strategy. So I rolled that $15,000 from a credit card to a right. line of credit, unsecured line of credit. And then I got another credit card and I did it again and I did it again. And then it was a $70,000 line of credit that they Beautiful. fucking took away later on, but I, I got it. <laughs> up to that point through that strategy so it might it might help someone yeah you were able, at least you're able to use it at that one time when you needed it right so that's all yeah. that matters yeah <clears throat> money was there when you needed it and then yeah what i wanted to ask ask you as well uh james is i know you're doing some airbnbs right for many of us we were kind of way we, we we try to stay away from it because we find that it's or we think that it requires a lot of our attention right it requires a lot yeah. of management right I'm that's sure honestly some systems and stuff in place like tell me a little bit more about that side of the business Sure. Yeah. Um, so Airbnb allows you to automate a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I'm just not as good at automating those things in the rest of my life. But for Airbnb, man, I spend like 15 minutes, I guess, maximum. That's like the worst case scenario is 15 minutes of right. thinking about this person. And it's like a month stay. So 15 minutes in, in 30 days thinking about this guy or girl, <laughs> whoever's, whoever's there, it's fine. Um, the co-host uh, function allows you to sync up to your cleaner right. and your, and then you can just put them as like a view the calendar only type of thing. They don't see all the guest details and everything else, mm -hmm. um, all the payments, everything. They just see the calendar. And then once they see the calendar, then they know who's checking in, checking out. And once they know who's checking in and checking out, then they know when to go. Right. So I don't even tell, I don't tell them anymore. They just know as soon as the guest checks out, go clean right, and have it ready. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is building your like your cleaner should know like if something's running out, buy it or tell me to buy it. Um, right. So that's that's another thing and another uh, yeah like automate garbage like I, I my cleaners get rid of the, all the garbage all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what else? I have like the smart locks, so I don't have keys or anything. I don't have to be there. I have cameras on site, um, outside only. Right, right. Um, if anything goes wrong, which things sometimes do, of course, yeah, then you need maybe a handyman. You need maybe a plumber, electrician, that type of thing. Yeah. What was? Do you have like a, a story of like a really bad guest that you had? Maybe just trash mm -hmm. your place, like partying, no, whatever. No, not like that. Um, I have had a party um, that was very easy to shut down. Is it's the simplest texting them like, "Hey, I know you're having a party." Yeah. I'll call the police and get get you to shut this down or you can shut it down. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And everyone left. So that was one. Another, uh, I still feel so bad for this fucking guy. Um, so great dude, great Airbnb guest. His ex-girlfriend hunted him down on Snapchat maps or something. Like he, she found him somehow came from like Toronto or something. No way. And then she's like banging on the door. She's like banging on, on the, like the window down here, like just yeah. trying to get into the house and like screaming outside and um, like, you're cheating on me. And like all this other shit. He's like, I'm here for work. Like, I don't <laughs> and um, like, anyway, so she, uh, she started beating him up in like in front of the camera outside of the, of the house. What? And, and then he's like, keep hitting me like you're on camera keep hitting me and she's like, she looks right at the camera and i'm like fuck and then she runs up and like smashes the camera oh man <laughs> <laughs> 
and um yeah that was so that was a funny kind of story he paid for the camera and yeah. whatever else and he's like man i'm so sorry and like um, <laughs> he ended up like getting her to leave and whatever else but he was a great guest he yeah. left the place clean he let he was quiet he was whatever she was just fucking crazy so yeah wow so yeah make sure to tur- turn off your notifications guys <laughs> especially your location <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's man. Yeah, man, that Snapchat thing is creepy. I always I never turn that on. Like, I don't understand. Like, why does somebody need to know where exactly I am? Like, no. Yeah. Unless I disclose it, there's no need. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So yeah, that was that was probably the worst quote unquote experience where like my neighbors messaged me and like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. You know, because there's girls like, screaming outside. Oh yeah. An hour. Because yeah. you didn't want to <laughs> let her in. So that was the worst experience. But again, like damage was covered by the guest not even i didn't have to intervene with airbnb or anything like that right yeah and how does it work like i mean in terms of airbnb do they have like a percentage that they they uh t- like charge you as a host or is mm-hmm. it just it's covered with the, the service fee that you when you because the reason why i'm asking is we usually need a book right there's a cleaning yeah. fee there's a service fee and then of course the, the nightly rate how does that work yeah yeah so um when i set a price so i don't actually set a nightly price i just set a range between high and low mm-hmm. and the whatever happens happens in between there um airbnb takes a cut of that from the guest and from the host it's mm. usually on the guest side it's 10 percent. on the host side it's three percent so okay. they make 13 percent off of every booking um beyond that there's the cleaning fee and right. then there's taxes so if you're making over 30 grand a year or whatever in hst you have to or you have to have your hst number and all this other and remit taxes and stuff so right. you'll have taxes on top um, if you're not, then you're not, and that's great. Okay. So, so wow, as a, as a host, it made it really, you know, uh, I guess cheap for you to to. Yeah. to uh, oh, it's phenomenal. That's amazing. That's amazing. For three percent is nothing, man. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Wow, that's phenomenal. That's good to know. So, for your Airbnbs, uh, are you do you have them as a, a corporation or is it under your personal name? How do you, how do you have them set up right now? So I have uh, everything under my property management corporation. So the property management. Uh, corp has the lease and then uses that lease as rent so i collect rent from my property management corp mm-hmm. and that's a steady monthly rent income that you can take to the bank essentially and that property management company runs the airbnb i see i see so it doesn't matter if you're the like, part owner or the owner of that corporation like the banks won't give you any hard uh, you know tr- time with that it depends on the bank it really mm-hmm. depends on the bank um for some banks they don't like lending to corps and or sorry not lending to corps having a corp on a residential lease right. some banks don't care it really depends on on who you're talking to mm-hmm. so that's just something to think about because i know most banks will not count airbnb income as income that's what i was going to say that, that's yeah. the struggle right a lot of people don't go into that model because of that fear but then it when you look at the cash though the cash flow is phenomenal on airbnb versus your normal monthly rent yeah it's it's uh like i just deal with the guest interaction mainly yeah so guest interaction take i have a lot of automated messages there as well like check-in instructions is all ready to go right um a lot of automation in general is possible on the, on the airbnb platform so for I, I know for banks that the uh some folks what they do is they mention this they're like you know they just get a lease under whoever their friend's name is or whatever mm, and yeah, just make sure that sketchy. they get a monthly but then yeah i'm like i don't know like it's just like i'd rather not even involve someone else i'd rather just deal mm-hmm. with you know what i mean it's just like but if something goes sour and your buddy's like i'm not i'm not doing this anymore or mm-hmm. whatever maybe right 
yeah. you don't want to put someone else or you want to drag someone else yeah. into your business. Like, I don't Definitely know. not uh, endorsing mortgage fraud in general. Yeah, it's just, I'm like, no, no. I'd rather go through at least the corporation method. Then again, it's yeah. fair and they know about it. And it's honestly, honesty is the best policy. And they always say that, especially in the insurance. So like just disclose because if if you have a property and then you're being it, if something goes down, insurance is not going to cover any of that. Insurance is actually critically important to get right. Um, if your insurance, like if shit hits a fan and your house burns down to the ground and you don't right. have insurance, holy fuck, your game is over. That's it. <laughs> That's why I'm like, not, this isn't great. Like doing this mortgage fraud nonsense, like don't do yeah. that. But like, if you do that, you, you can kind of like fix it. Right. 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 But if, if you fuck up with the insurance, you're fucked. <laughs> you're just straight <laughs> fucked. Like do not fuck around with insurance. Like tell them everything, tell them absolutely everything. Yeah. And, what, and what does that look like in terms of insurance? How much are you paying? Generally speaking? It's not that much more than, than just like a it's really, so. it's maybe 40 bucks a month more. Oh, that's nothing, man. It's not that much more like $40. It's more than covered by the extra cash flow. You know, that's what I was going to say. And then you have peace of mind. And yeah, you know, I don't have to, like, I told I told him exactly, uh, my broker. Right. I was like, dude, I'm running an Airbnb out of there. It's a two bedroom. Like it's not party fucking t- like central or anything like that. I don't, I don't, it's all old people typically traveling or like yeah. uh, a couple, you know, there's not, not more than four people ever. Right. And he's like, yeah, perfect. Uh, here's your policy. Everything's covered. So beautiful. Yeah. And then last question about the Airbnb is like, you know, because of the, what's going on around the whole, the whole world with the pandemic, like, are you yeah. seeing that it's slowing down your business a lot or are you still no, getting dude. Oh my God, man. It's the best year ever. Like this, this uh, pandemic has been the best thing for me for Airbnb because <laughs> people are staying longer. Right. I don't have as high cleaning fees. I don't have as high like wear and tear. Um, like normally like I leave like a little gift basket out or whatever, you know, like small things like that. Right. I do that. I don't know. I've done that like five times because people are staying for a month, three months, four months. Wow. I don't, I, like it's it's fantastic so yeah and for, for people that are looking into getting into airbnb so are you a super host by the way yeah yeah you pretty you get become super host pretty quick it's pretty easy to do so if you if you have a strong listing and if you have um like good ratings and reviews so i think it's like 10 10 stays right something like that or 100 days one one or the other okay, okay. um and so then yeah, you uh, your five-star good. reviews or 4.9 and above something like that right um, right yeah. So what I was going to get at was what are some good tips, you know, little tips and tricks here for people that are want to do Airbnb, like you said, like a little gift basket, a little note, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, just to make things that make them feel a little bit more comfortable while more welcome. Yeah, yeah. Just like my main, my main thing, I guess, is make sure the check-in experience is flawless. Mm-hmm. Make sure they have Wi-Fi immediately. Right. If you can do <laughs> those two things, everything else is pretty good. Yeah. People genuinely want those two things badly. They don't want to be waiting outside for any, any, not even 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And they want Wi-Fi right away. Yeah. That's literally it. If you can meet those two criteria and everything else is good, like comfortable, you're, you're fine. You'll be fine. What about extra services like Netflix or Amazon prime or things Mm. like that? You know, some folks have it, some don't. Yeah. I don't do any of that shit. I just, uh, I have a smart TV Mm -hmm. and in my check-in instructions, like you can log into whatever you want. Here you go. Yeah. I don't provide any of that. Wi-Fi, smart lock, that's critical. Cameras outside um, for their security and also mine. Um, just make sure like there's no parties happening. See, these little hacks are what makes it, you know, uh, your listing so amazing. It's just, again, it goes back to staging, right? You got to stage mm-hmm. nice, right? 
That's mm-hmm. what sells. That's what makes you makes people book. Like I, you know, I've been through that experience myself. You're going scanning through like 40 different listings, but you're going to yeah. pick the one that you want. You feel comfortable. You want you to yeah. get the sense of clean cleanliness and yeah. comfort. I think that's basically what everybody looks for generally. Exactly. So like um, comfortable beds. So if, if you're, if you have to choose where to spend money, beds and kitchen. Yeah. Like stuff people touch, right? Yeah. Where you could spend majority of your time. <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking, is it the living room, the kitchen, and then the bedroom? That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, sure. Um, I know we, we you touched up on the books there, but usually I ask is what are a couple of books that you could recommend for people to read? Um, I, I, I do like thinking fast and slow and slight edge. I know um we're we're kind of shit talking books in general, but those are those are some really good books. Um another really uh, good one is Blue Ocean Strategy. Oh, okay. I've never um, heard of that one. That's more more about business. So um, when you're talking about like such a saturated market um, mm. and all the fish are being eaten by the sharks and the blood turns red, uh, the smart shark, instead of fighting for all the, the scraps, will go to the blue ocean, the wide open where no one else is. Instead of fighting for deals on MLS, you're going off market. Like that's a, an example of a blue ocean strategy. Maybe now it's getting saturated again. So you have to find <laughs> something else. Yeah. But um, that, that's kind of the idea. Instead of like, sure. fighting over the scraps, what people are doing, do something else, find a different strategy, whatever works. So that's right. Just be innovative. Uh, Think outside the box. Exactly. That's what, that's what the whole thing is about. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's a book that might be worthwhile uh, for people to procrastinate on sometime. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And I know you mentioned vacation, vacationing earlier. So if the borders were open and you can go anywhere out in the world, where, where would it be? Um, the most recent trip I did was Australia. Um, I probably, I'd, I'd go there again, kind of immediately there, there or Thailand. Um, that was a trip I did a couple of years ago, both. I'd, I'd want to go back and do kind of more, um, I, I usually save up all my vacation from work and um, take all of December off. And then I travel all of December basically every year. Um, That's awesome. But Perfect it, time. Like for, for, both of those, uh, for both of those countries, <clears throat> I didn't feel like it was enough. Like I really, really want to go back and do more. So yeah. it would be either, either or. If there was one piece of advice you can give someone starting out, what would it be? Just one. Do something. That's it. Like literally anything <laughs> for, the, for the love of God, do something, anything. Yeah. And like for, for people that are maybe struggling to, to write down their goals or whatever else, just, um, I, I would say, think about like, maybe not your goal, but like what's making you unhappy. Right. And if, if that thing is making you unhappy, then, then your goal should very simply be get rid of that thing and now you have something to work backwards from at least you know <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely yeah you, you just have to kind of sit down and dissect and I, I i totally agree with that it's like if something's not working for you why is it just ask yourself why simple question it's just you have to kind of dig down why 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 i know it sounds annoying but like really yeah. if you don't know the root cause you, you're just scratching the surface and that's not going to do any good <laughs> yeah for people that want to reach out to you james where can they find you how can they get connected yeah, Instagram is the best place. It's at uh, james.ferns. Um, I'm currently in the middle of, I don't know, eight or nine units under Renault, and it's always something random going on. Um, 
it's fun. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks a lot, James. No, I really appreciate no taking the time here to, to no join problem, us no. here. I know we got a lot of golden nuggets. And uh, yeah, like I said, I can't wait to see what you turn your uh, projects into when they're complete and done. Sounds good, Ross. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. Yeah.